This is Spade Spoon Soul, a podcast about all the ways food intersects with our faith, from sea to spade to spoon. Hi, I'm Derek Weston, the Triple S producer and sometime co-host. We'll be more often with Jennifer heading out on sabbatical. I'm here with Brian. And I'm Brian Sellers-Peterson. I'm coming to you from the eastern slope of the Cascade Mountains, mile marker 80 if you're traveling east uh, from Seattle in the town of Roslyn, Washington. Uh, it's an old coal mining town that was where uh, Northern Exposure was filmed. So um, a lot of people identify with us that way. But it is uh, great to be with this crew. I'm especially happy um, <clears throat> to have Joe back on Triple S. Uh, I think him and uh, Dr. Mark Vizzuti Jones from Trinity Church Wall Street. I think you two guys did a podcast. And if I'm mistaken, we'll just have to do a podcast with you. Um, but J- Joe has done stuff for Good News Gardens and I believe Triple S of the Paso. It's fun to have him, particularly because he's a homeboy of mine uh, from Wenatchee, Washington, and but transplanted uh, in the Diocese of Connecticut, uh, where he serves at St. James and West uh, Hartford. So Joe, I'll fill in the blanks about yourself and then introduce our other mystery guest. Hey, Brian, it's great. it's great to be with you, Brian. Thanks again. And yeah, you're right. The last time I was I was on here, I was um, talking about donkeys and talking about farming and all of that in Connecticut and how that kind of connects to God's awesome creation. And uh, since then, I've been ordained a priest and have moved on from Trinity Retreat Center to this wonderful parish in West Hartford, Connecticut, St. James's, and uh, one of the things that we've we've uh, really started to look at is our Good News Gardening ministry, our Good News Garden ministry, and we have, uh, in the last eight months, started to look at how we can expand this ministry and develop relationships uh, with local Episcopal feeding programs and with the Hartford Catholic Worker, which is one of our biggest partners in in the ministry that we have here, where we grow food and tear up grass to grow more food. And we're getting ready to build a greenhouse here at St. James's. And we're really excited. And there's a lot of energy about that. And the ministry team continues to grow and grow and grow. And one of the parishioners I asked to be with me today is someone who has just really brought a lot of energy and passion and joy and ideas to this ministry. And her and this is Vera Racine. Uh, and she goes here to St. James's. Uh, Vera, how long have you been going to St. James's? I just joined last year. So we're new to Connecticut and, and new to St. James's. Yeah. So we're, Vera and I are both pretty new to St. James's. And one of the things that we've really started to connect on is how we grow food to feed people. That's amazing. So, um, Vera, we're actually going to start with you, uh, since since uh, Joe's already answered this question once. But we're going to start with you, and ask you this question of where are you rooted? Um, and you can take that any way you want. But what? Where are your roots? How do you? How do? What? What grounds you? Yeah. 
That's a super interesting question for me at the moment because I have felt very unrooted the last three years. Um, so we, I grew up in Europe. I lived in Arkansas, which is where I became good friends with one of your co-hosts, Jerusalem Greer. I um, lived there for 20 years, raised my children there when they were little and decided to take a job at Yale in December of 2019 and move up here, of course, not having any idea of what was right around the corner. Mm. So we moved our family here to Connecticut in June of 2020. So just in the height of the pandemic and um, all the traditional ways that you would think about sort of getting rooted in a new place. So getting established in a church, getting the children established in school, you know, building a community around yourself really wasn't possible. So, you know, we, it took us two years to find a church because it's very hard to kind of get a feeling for a place when it's all done via Zoom and you can't go tour the place or meet people. Um, we homeschooled our kids the first year we were here because of the pandemic. Um, so initially, I think we really rooted ourselves in our home. So like I said, we homeschooled, I started a garden, uh, we got a house a little over an acre and really roped the kids into gardening and growing our own food. And it became like this very inward looking family time for us that rooted us in our home. And um, it was nice, it was very isolated. Um, as I'm sure it was for a lot of people during that time. And then um, last September, we actually had a house fire and were displaced out of that home. Oh, wow. And out of that, we kept, we have a giant 106 year old house. So the rest restoration of it after the fire has had a lot of delays. So one of the things that's happened is I thought we'd be back in our house in time for me to plant my garden this year. And now it's become apparent that that is not going to happen. And so I was really mourning the loss of my garden that I have find a lot of joy in. And that's how I discovered the Good News Garden at St. James. And the kind of lovely thing about that is that I feel like it brought me from being rooted in our home and our family to literally being able to be rooted in our community mm. and getting more involved, meeting new people, becoming more um, connected to not just our church, but the greater Hartford uh, community through um, the mission work of the Good News Garden. So it was a really, you know, lovely shift from, you know, my little home garden to, okay, I, I don't have that this year, um, turning that same energy into um, gardening at church. You know, I think so often when we ask this question, the response is about like the sort of deep roots but I think sometimes we forget how important the shallow roots are too and the new roots that happen that allow life to be sustained. So I think that's that's a really great um that's a really great story and an amazing way that a church community has kind of shown up for you in in a really uh uncertain time. Um uh, Joe, how about for you? Uh, any any new reflections on on your rootedness since the last time we had a chance to talk with you? Well, my rootedness has really shifted from a rural setting where I was for six years as uh, one of the directors at Trinity Retreat Center in Northwest Connecticut and really have the blessing of this call to a community uh, in the Hartford area that is so missionally focused where feeding and justice and how do we get our hands dirty in order for us to do out, go out there and do God's work and so many willing people to use their hands and their feet like Vera 
to get involved um, in very faithful ways, very loving ways, and to really take some risks. And so I have felt my roots from a rural setting going into an urban setting where, again, I'm, I'm able to garden and be a gardener as a priest now, and but be fully immersed in a community. Whereas before, you know, the retreat center work is, is wonderful. But so much of the work in a retreat center is a mobile community, a community that comes and goes. Mm -hmm. And you just get to know people and you get to introduce them and get their hands in the dirt to experience God in the soil and outdoors in creation and try to connect to that to their spiritual journeys. And then you have to say goodbye. Whereas here at St. James's, I meet people like Vera and her family and so many others where I am in community with these folks going deeper and deeper in finding out all of these things that they want to do to serve God. And it, you know, it's, it's been a great place to put my roots down. I've only been here for about eight months, but often it feels like I've been here for a couple of years already. And there's just so much commitment and it's, it's very beautiful. You know, at a time where the church is in transition, uh, these people are just, you know, these folks are just really just like, what can we do? You know, they they love that so often that, you know, they, they get that Jesus got his hands dirty so many times in the Gospels. And they're wondering, how can we do that, you know, to exemplify where we're called as Christians and to feed people? So I'm really feeling rooted in kind of that missional outlook and that that love, but in this community and, and, and how we can continue to do church and new and, and really entrepreneurial and, and fun ways, but also just in healing and uh, um, profoundly, um, you know, sustaining ways as well. Today's subject we really want to drill down on is rogation. And, um, um, you know, I one of those light bulb moments uh, a week or two ago i said oh rogation's coming up and um we need to get more churches to uh, really participate in the season of rogation it's one of the shortest seasons we celebrate in, in the uh, uh church year and um and you know it's something that's being rediscovered so i sort of you know, blasted out a few emails, put some stuff on social media. Hey, who out there's uh, going to be uh, celebrating Rogation? And Joe Rose uh, responded right away. Um, and you know, he's such a great storyteller because he he is a storyteller. Uh, he was a, a a longtime journalist before coming to work in the church with the Oregonian um, in, down in Portland. And so uh, I grabbed hold, and then I found out um, secondhand or thirdhand, uh, Jerusalem's connected to Vera. And, and so this is going to be some fun. So I just want to, I'm going to read the definition of rogation days from the an Episcopal Dictionary of the Church. Just a couple sentences. Then I'm going to let our new seminary graduate um, sort of, give his definition of rogation, because I'm sure at Yale Divinity School, you spent lots and lots of time um, focused on rogation. So rogation days. Traditionally, these are the three days before Ascension Day 
on which the litany is sung or recited in procession as an act of intercession. They originated in Vinay, France in the fifth century when Bishop Mamoritus introduced days of fasting and prayer to ward off threatened disaster. In England, they were associated with the blessing of the fields at planting. The vicar, quote, beat the bond, bounds, beat the bounds of the parish, processing around the fields, reciting psalms in the litany. In the United States, they have been associated with rural life and agriculture and fishing. So that's kind of the official line from um, the Episcopal Church. Joe, how do you, what's your interpretation? And uh, I want you and Vera to um, talk about rogation and some of your plans because we're gonna get this out over social media and hopefully um, you can motivate uh, other parishes with what little time they have before May 14th to get their plans together uh, to uh, celebrate the season of rogation. How about that? Can you get, can you, Joe and Vera, can you do that for me? I'll give it a shot here. I will uh, you follow- give, it, give, give it a shot, man. <laughs> Come on. Well, you covered the history of it very well. I mean, it started in France. It was in the fifth century. I think it was, and there was, you know, it was at a time when the Roman Empire was fading from history. And uh, so it was a time of transition. And at this time, um, there was, uh, there were a lot of natural disasters that affected uh, the, the crops in France. And this wave of natural disasters decimated the town's crops. And the church's response, their liturgical response, was rogation days. This time when we ask for God's blessing and mercy on the harvest, on the land, the fields, the earth, the sky. And it has, since then, as you said, it has been something that um, has grown and come to the colonies from England, um, where it is part of the, the, the church calendar for us every year to ask God's blessing on crops. And it's also been expanded now into stewardship and in, in industry and, and a number of other things connected to creation. What we're going to do, like I said, this is a really exciting time at St. James's, and we are in the process of essentially doubling our Good News Garden and expanding the time that we're able to grow food for people who are hungry. You know, Hartford is one of the north end of Hartford is one of those areas where there uh, are, is a food desert. And it's hard to get uh, affordable, good food. And there's a lot of hunger um, in those communities for vegetables that are good vegetables, that are affordable. And we work with the the Catholic worker in Hartford, and they do amazing work where we give the food to anybody who needs it. And they deal with a lot of underprivileged families, a lot of uh, immigrants, uh, folks that we are called as Christians to make sure that we are giving a voice to, and that we are feeding, and that we are seeking justice for. And this is all part of that. So as we continue to look at how we can grow this ministry, and there's no pun intended there, by the way, uh, how we can we continue to, to expand this ministry, um, we decided this year a good way to do that, especially as everybody's coming back to church, 
after the pandemic, and we're getting used to being in community together, that we come together in community to ask God's blessing um, on what we are doing in our garden. And so what we'll have on Rogation Sunday is we will have a creation care focused uh, liturgy inside the church. And then we all process out as a community singing together to go to different stations. We will lay our hands in the dirt of the Good News Garden and pray on that and ask God's blessing for that and bless the garden. Then we'll go to our memorial garden. Then we'll go to our tool shed, our compost heap, the place where we're building the greenhouse this summer, our water spigot. And each of these places say an appropriate prayer uh, of rogation, asking for God's blessing uh, for the work that we're doing. You know, and one of the things that we try to do too is really connect it with appropriate readings. You know, for instance, you know, Psalm 23 is the most well-known Psalm probably in the world. And, you know, the green pastures in Psalm 23, they imply food for all and a place where no one goes wanting. And the cup overflowing, that implies a need to share, especially at a time when one in 10 Hartford area households still live with food insecurity. So we want to connect it scripturally and theologically to what we do as a faith family here at St. James's. So Vera, I have a question for you. Did you know any of this about rogation before you came to the church? And how does being a part of a church that makes these connections between scripture and church tradition and what's happening in the garden, like how does that impact your desire to be engaged and involved? Yeah, I, I love it so much. And I, and I didn't know about Rogation Sunday. Um, and the reason I love it so much is because of, uh, to me, one of the things that I love about our faith is the liturgical calendar and the way that in so many ways, symbolically, it follows this natural rhythm that I myself and my family, and I think my children, like all children sort of naturally gravitate towards. So, you know, in the winter time, when my kids were little, I used to not turn on any lights after dark in the winter. We would just light some candles and the sense in the wintertime of, you know, sort of going dormant and quiet and, you know, nothing's happening in the garden and we enter Advent and um, the, the time of Lent, kind of how that feels in the garden. And then of course the resurrection just as blooms are starting to form. And it's just, I think it's something like, like I said, especially children feel sort of instinctively and I feel very connected to. So there's a lot of intuitive sort of symbolic ways that to me, the church calendar, the liturgical calendar symbolically sort of follows the calendar of the garden. I love this brocation um, tradition because it, it's so concrete and solid and you know, not just symbolic, it is a literal bringing together of, you know, what we're doing liturgically and what's happening in the garden. And so being able to bring those things together in a, a literal way, um, I think it's wonderful. I love it. One of the things about the calendar too, that Vera is talking about, I, I don't know if you mentioned this, Brian, but the rogation days come right before the Feast of Ascension. So that I think that is very fitting as well. And, you know, this is something that being out in the garden and working in the garden and going out in procession as a community to pray 
on the garden and get our hands in the dirt as a community, I think is a wonderful way, not only for us to think about how we get outside of our church walls, but also it's a great form of witness in our neighborhood. Because I preached about this a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, you know, we were out building these new raised beds to expand our garden, tearing up the grass, where it was just grass for the longest time along one of the side streets. And as you know, we had these 10 crazy, 10, 12 crazy Episcopalians out there hammering and moving dirt and with the saw and everything. And it's just so much energy you don't usually see on a Saturday afternoon outside of our church. And people were walking by in the neighborhood and they were pointing and talking and stopping and looking and then asking us questions. And there was this one man I remember uh, as our rector, Bob Hooper, was uh, drilling one of the boxes together. Uh, he asked this guy asked some questions. He's like, well, what are you doing? Bob said, well, we're building these garden beds. Well, why are you building garden beds? Well, to grow vegetables. Well, why are you growing vegetables? To feed people. And you could tell the light went on and he looked at us and he, before he walked away, he said, thank you for doing God's work. And I got to thinking that I've been outside working at St. James. I've been outside St. James working before doing different things, often in my collar. And people will say hello to me uh, or, you know, say something about the weather. But that's about it. And that was the first time anyone had ever said to me, thank you for doing God's work. And it was just it struck me that the world is just really hungry for us as Christians to get out and tear up the grass and show that we mean what we say, that we are living the Gospels, not just talking about the Gospels. And this is one way to witness to that. And when we build the greenhouse, for example, it's a greenhouse. We'll be growing food there, but we're also kind of imagining as a gathering place of prayer and community and fellowship. So in, a, in essence, this greenhouse that will be out there will be like a second chapel here at St. James's. I don't know that you'll uh, find two people more pro tearing up lawns to do this kind of work than uh, Brian and myself. Well, I'll tell you, the, the people here at St. James's, they're really getting into it, too, though. <laughs> We've had we're getting shovels, wheelbarrows and, and rakes donated to us now. And it's it's just crazy, awesome, good fun and some good trouble in there because we wanted that's what we want to do. We just want to turn things up. And I mean, to me, when you turn that soil, it's indicative to, of of Jesus's message of turning things upside down and and the res living into the resurrection. I want to jump in and brag about something that that uh, you didn't mention about our garden that I love, which is I found out that the vegetables that we're growing are specifically the vegetables that were requested by the community that's getting these vegetables. And I think that was one of the beautiful things that made me recognize the heart of this mission, that it wasn't sort of a, sh a showy thing, but we're really serving people in the way that they need to be served. So we're growing the specific types of vegetables that they're wanting and don't have access to. And I, I love that. Well, I, I would like you to grow some okra and pickle it and send it to me. Because um, no one grows okra around here and that's what I need. You know what were you going to say, Joe? Oh, no, I was just going to say that kind of speaks to St. James's too, how thoughtful. And that really speaks to the culture uh, that our rector, Bob Hooper, is, has nourished 
um, over the past two decades here where people are very intentional about how they go out into the community. This, this is real work. It's very intentional work. And part of that is how can we feed you? Not just here are some vegetables, do with them what you wish. What do you want? What do you need? It's, it's a form of hospitality. And, and it's, so it's not just planning the, it's not a feel good project. It is really something where we want to build those relationships in every way possible with the people who are getting this food. So um, I want to talk a, a little bit about tearing up the lawn, but you reminded me uh, a friend and kind of one of our early good news gardeners, guy by the name of Jim Shaw, who's uh, at um, St. Martin's Church in Davis, California. He kind of introduced me to the idea of a church garden and how we steward our land where our buildings sit on is the narthex of, you know, the, the, this century. Um, you know, the, the narthex was traditionally, you know, where people gathered inside uh, before they went in to the nave and up to the sanctuary. But, you know, a lot of people aren't getting into that, that place. Um, and it, I think it's our gardens. It's that act of going outside. Um, and being with our neighbors. And I, I'd like to, you know, get everyone's thoughts on how we can create a movement um, and an understanding of our, how we care for creation. It's our churchyards and as a narthex. I think that's really important at a time when we're not only welcoming people back to church after the pandemic, but also looking at, I think a deep desire of people, like I said, to see us show that we are living what we believe because there are a lot of people out there who have church trauma. There are a lot of people out there who just don't know if they wanna step into that church. Um, and I think having the garden out there is one way to welcome them in. Um, there, are a lot of possibilities for that, I think, uh, where it is a nurturing and loving um, and, and healing space. And it gives an introduction to who we are in our communities, uh, to our, our fellowship and, and um, not necessarily strictly our theology, but how we love God and that we put love first. And I think that shows in the love that has grown in that garden. I mean, the, the whole idea of the garden, one of the things I always loved, I talked about how Jesus gets his hands dirty throughout the Bible. And, and one of the recent uh, readings right before Easter was Jesus healing the blind man with the mud. And how Jesus literally takes something dirty and ordinary, mud. He spits in the dirt, makes mud, wipes it on the man's eyes, and he sees that in many ways, is what we are doing in the garden. We are growing something out of the garden and helping people live, to see, to be their best human being. I I, I love that. And I, I think it it not only speaks to the fact that there's there's a lot of church trauma in the world, but there's also a generational divide. Yeah. That that there are people for whom uh, the church is is has not been a part of their growing up, 
um, and and that there's this growing distance between um, you know church as a norm for people on Sundays and and Sunday morning being the day where there's soccer or or other sports or just the day to to rest. Um, and Vera, you mentioned the fact that you your this is this is a place where your kids have found space to be in the garden. And I'm I'm really interested in um, you know, I feel like we're we're not having as many of these intergenerational spaces for um people in to interact. And so what does it mean for you to be able to have this space? where your kids are interacting with the the congregation and getting to learn these things, but also getting to see kind of a new example of what church is. Yeah, I think one gardening, it's just such a joyful thing. And my kids groan when I, you know, drag them out early one morning to weed the garden or help me water. But I know they love it. And back in Arkansas, the Episcopal camp, Kent Mitchell's a beautiful space up on a mountain. And my kids went to summer camp there. And one story that years and years later, they always talk about is the garden that was up there and how they've never liked any type of tomatoes, except the cherry tomatoes that they picked off the vines at Camp Mitchell were somehow very special. So it's a, it's a joyful thing for children to get involved in. It's so magical. I mean, you put a seed in the ground and sometimes days later, you start to see something growing. I mean, to a child, that sense of wonder is just brought to life through gardening, um, especially young, young children. Now my kids are teenagers. And one of the things that I love here is that it's challenging as a parent to know um, how to have conversations with our kids about you know, painful, difficult things that are happening in the world, because on the one hand, you want to protect their hearts. And on the other hand, you want them to know about the injustices of the world and the difficulties of the world, because they're the ones that are going to fix it. And I think when it comes to things like food deserts and food insecurity, it can be a very abstract conversation for a family that has been blessed never to face those issues. And so to be able to have that conversation with my children in the context of we are growing this food, here's why we're growing it, here's who it's going to, is a much better conversation than just to say, hey, there's some parts in Hartford nearby that you can't buy fresh vegetables and for them to like really grasp, like, what does that even mean? Like, what do you mean you can't just drive to Whole Foods? And so to really be able to explain it um, again, connecting it to something that we can actually do to make a difference um, is, is a really lovely thing to be able to do for my children and having those conversations. And one of the things that we are doing too on the creation care part of um, the Good News Garden ministry is we're putting in a pollinator garden that will be the kids. We have a very vibrant children and family ministry here at St. James's. And one of the things that we really want to do is to give kids an opportunity to get their hands in the dirt and to have some ownership in this. And this is also something that contributes to the whole neighborhood. You know, you're creating a, a space where pollinators uh, can come in and then go out and, and around the neighborhood and 
and pollinate uh, vegetables and plants and, uh, and trees in the neighborhood as well. So it gets us beyond our own area. And at the same time, this is the way that St. James's is, is that this is a community that is always looking, what do we do next? And I think that pollinator garden is very symbolic of continuing to just spread our arms out into the community. Your church, or you're someone listening to this podcast, uh, and you've never considered celebrating rogation. Maybe you haven't even heard about rogation. We have a sneaking suspicion there will be a few people uh, who regularly listen to our podcast who haven't. Well, how can they pull it off before May 14th? What advice do you have? Well, the book of occasional services in the Episcopal Church um, has the guidelines right there. It already has a liturgy and prayers ready to go. It has um, recommendations for prayers for the procession if you want to do your own procession. Uh, the procession does not require an ordained uh, clergy person to lead it. Uh, it is something that um, uh, lay ministry and, and lay members of the church can lead. Uh, there are also just quick things you can do. One of the things that we are considering doing and we hope to do is that we will have some dirt and we will uh, bless the dirt so people can take it home and put it in their gardens. So it's a way to take the blessedness and the prayers that happen during the Rogation community um, procession home with them. Uh, so as a matter of blessing their own garden. Um, there are also a lot of resources uh, at the Episcopal Church Good News Garden and Creation Care sites on how to put together a Rogation Day service, either on Sunday or on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, leading up to the Day of Ascension. Yeah, you know, it might just be the two or three regular gardeners at the church can pick this up and um, just do it themselves. The three of them you know, march around the garden, say some prayers, and, uh, you know, sort of um, be blessed and bless. Um, I think that would be pretty awesome. I think making it as interactive as possible is uh, is important, too. I mean, we we are a faith where our liturgy calls us to a table. Jesus gives us, um, you know, Jesus invites us to a meal. And we can taste and fill uh, our living God. And this is an opportunity when you pray to let people get their hands in the dirt, whatever you're praying on, to be part of that, to offer that, you know, spiritual element to it, where you feel connected to God's creation in, in some way during your procession or your service. Well, we are getting close to time, but I, I've noticed with some of our longer episodes, we've let this last question go. But I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you go without it answering it. Um, so I want to ask you both. Um, it doesn't have to be necessarily connected to the garden, but may, maybe this is connected to the garden. What is the food that makes you just sigh with comfort, like mm, that? is so good like what is the what is the food um again it could be something from your garden or it could just be any any food that you encounter but what is that food that is making as you think right now what is that food that makes you sigh with comfort here what you want to go 
Well, the, I'm just going to say the first one that comes to my mind because my husband and I were just talking about this at lunch today and it's corn grown in my garden. And that is one of those foods that like you can eat it your whole life. And it's just sort of like, okay, it's corn. And then you grow it and you eat it like straight off the stock. And it is just the sweetest, juiciest, like best thing. And I have four, four by 12 garden beds. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good size garden for our family, but I mean, it's not a huge garden. And my husband who grew up in Illinois corn country, like laughed at me the first year that I put half a tiny little cornfield on there and everything I had read was like, this is not going to work because you have to have like lots of rows for it to work. It did work. And they, you know, all germinated and turned into uh, cobs of corn. And it is just, oh, I, there's just nothing better than um, it's very satisfying to grow. It grows very quickly. Um, and then, like I said, tasting it compared to what you get at the grocery store is just, there's nothing like it. Nice. So I, how about you? The first thing that pops to mind for me is um, a fresh peach. I think that's because we're getting closer to summer and I just miss eating fresh peaches. And uh, my wife recently has actually been making homemade uh, Scandinavian yogurt uh, at home. And it is awesome. She shared it a few times at coffee hour here at the church too. So fresh fruit on that uh, is another thing that I love. And, and then our rector here, Bob Hooper at St. James's, he's an amazing cook. Food is such a big part of how we come together here in so many ways. Um, and he recently made some uh, meatballs that were pretty incredible too, that I have frozen at home. That I think I've been thinking about all day because I think I'm going to eat them for dinner tonight, but <laughs> those are the three food groups I'm thinking of right now. <laughs> I love it. Well, I totally am on board uh, with Vera. I grew up in the land of the Jolly Green Giant, literally in uh, the Minnesota River Valley. So corn was a huge deal. But uh, it really needs to go with um, the corn for me personally, uh, needs to go with uh, chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes. Um, <laughs> hey, Derek, what's yours? I know oh. you've told us before. Oh, but... I, oh, man. I mean, this, this, you know, actually, this time of year, I have to actually echo Joe because I am, I have our last two years, I have a peach tree. In our last two years, we've had this leaf curl blight on our peach tree. And so we haven't actually gotten any peaches, um, any edible peaches that weren't tarnished by this blight. But I'm looking at the tree and I'm going out and looking at the tree every day. And right now the leaves look really healthy and the little buds are coming in. And I've just been salivating, staring at this tree, like, are we going to get good peaches this year? And like, that's, that's, it's been preoccupying my thoughts lately. I and just you need to wanted... zoom in Joe to do a little blessing on your peach tree. I know, Joe, please come, come bless our peach tree. <laughs> Where do you live, Derek? Uh, I am in, I am in, right outside of Baltimore. So I'm, I'm going to hopefully get to see a whole bunch of Episcopalians in a couple of weeks. Or oh couple yeah, months. yeah, that's right. <laughs> The presiding bishop's going to be there, right? In a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Couple yeah. Months. Couple months. Couple months. Couple months. Couple months. Yeah. One of the things come that on down. You better come on down, Joe. Joe and Vera, come on down to Baltimore and have some of Derek's peaches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, we should do that. And a, and a whole lot of fun. Well, one of the things that we're doing, speaking of fruit, you know, I grew up in an apple orchard in Wenatchee. It's the craziest thing to live in Connecticut. Go to the store. 
and buy cherries and apples from the town where I grew up. So it's this cosmic experience of eating fruit that was grown in the same water and sunshine and dirt that I was, that I grew up in, you know, but one of the things that um, our rector is talking about is planting a few uh, trees, fruit trees um, on the other side of the walk where the good news garden is at and continue, you know, just starting a little orchard. Like I said, we just, we're not done with this, but we're already thinking, what can we do next and tear up as much of that lawn as we can. Amen. Amen to that. And, you know, there are things like this, like one of the reasons I love this podcast is I think just about every conversation we have, we get to talk to people like you two who are not just talking to talk, but walking the walk and really showing that, you know, the ways we use our church property, the ways we use our church land is, is maybe one of the most profound witnesses that we have to the community around us and being able to see people out in the gardens, getting their hands dirty and, and thinking about their neighbors who may be living in food insecurity um, and not just talking about it, but actually doing something about it. Um, it just honestly just fills me with so much hope and so much joy. And uh, I, I love having these conversations. But that's a wrap for today's Spade Spoon Soul, a.k.a. Triple S. So if you want to know more, you can find us on Spade Spoon Soul Facebook page or email us at spadespoonsoulpodcast at gmail.com. So big, huge thanks uh, to Derek for pinch hitting. And, uh, well, you know, he's going to be a regular sub. Uh, we'll do a, be doing a little platooning, um, you know, with Jerusalem while... Uh, Jennifer's away, and uh, Derek just started a pretty cool job. We're going to have to get you um, on uh, to talk about Creation Justice Ministries, uh, where you are doing some awesome work, but he continues to podcast um, with the Fade, uh, Food and Faith podcast. You can check them out, and uh, you know he's a part of a whole storytelling collective of, for agrarianism and got a book coming out too the list goes on and on but thank you Derek for doing this and also want to thank Jay Sidebotham uh, for the great artwork he's provided for us as well as uh, my brother-in-law Ryan Lee who provides the groovy music uh, that brings us in and takes us out So until next time, we hope you'll find ways to connect your soul to your spade or spoon or both. Take care, everyone.